You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman has shown Gotham the true colors. Bad cop routine? Not exactly. Oh. Oh. Never start with the head. The victim gets all fuzzy. He can't feel the neck. See? You wanted me. Here I am. didn't disappoint. You let five people die. Then you let Dent take your place. Even to a guy like me, that's cold. Where's Dent? Those mob fools want you gone so they can get back to the way things were. But I know the truth. There's no going back. You've changed things. Forever. And why do you want to kill me? kill you? What would I do without you? Go back to ripping off mob dealers? No, no. No. No, you. You complete me. Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to the Eternal Night, a podcast dedicated to the world's greatest detective, the Dark Knight of DC Universe, Batman. I am your host, Philip Barker, alongside my heroic co-host, Craig Blaylock. Thank you for joining us. Craig, how's it going, man? Going good. May the 4th be with you today. Right. We're recording this podcast on May the 4th, 2022. Uh, plenty of stuff going on in the real world. Amber Heard and Johnny Depp are having it out in court. A new Green Lantern movie's on the way. The Batman sequel got announced. And there's a ton more shit we're going to talk about today. But that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. No, we're not going to talk about the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial. <laughs> that was just me throwing it out there for you people. Because I know how much you're all paying attention. Um, Craig. Yes, sir. It's been kind of a slow-ish time for Batman now that the Batman's been on HBO Max, but there's been an advancement, an update, if you will. CinemaCon was last week, and there was a slew of stuff shown off at Warner Brothers during the Warner Brothers panel. So they showed off, like, the first image of Barbie. We got 
at least from what I saw before I hopped off on hopped off Twitter because I'm not on Twitter for the next oh twenty ish yeah, yeah, hours. Yep. Yeah, we're we're avoiding Twitter because we do not want to see uh, spoilers for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness because I've already been spoiled a couple different ways in that movie and I don't want to oh, be spoiled it's anymore. Oh, it's it's a damn shame. People just have no restraint anymore when it comes to this shit. I'm telling you. But yeah, I've been I've been staying away. This is probably my most anticipated Marvel movie in a in quite some time because I adore Sam Raimi's movies. Evil Dead is one of my absolute favorite movie franchises. So to see him get to do Doctor Strange, yes, please. Yeah, and I like the first Doctor Strange movie just fine. Actually, matter of fact, it was, it was my it was my number one Marvel yep. movie prior to Spider Man No Way Home, right? So I think it's still probably my personal favorite. Just I, I love when they do trippy, magical stuff. That that's the stuff I want to see from Marvel. So oh, it's, to it's, see... it's firmly a number two. If Spider Man No Way Home didn't exist, it'd be number one. But, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I'm right there with you. For me, you know, Sam Raimi's initial Spider Man trilogy is kind of an all timer. Like there's mm-hmm. there's no getting around that, right? But yeah, we're eagerly anticipating that movie, but. Speaking of movies, like I just mentioned, CinemaCon, they had uh, they showed off Barbie. They, there were trailer descriptions for um, The Flash, which includes Michael Keaton's return as Batman. And apparently, I guess, he says the iconic line to, to Barry in the movie. It, it's, That's what it, I heard. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Oh. So, so, like, when the, the initial sizzler that we got from, what was it, DC Fandom last year, like, there's that ending piece of, like, the two berries, Supergirl, and they're in the Batcave, and then Barry goes, "Are you in?" Well, I guess his his rebuttal, Keaton's rebuttal, is, "You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts." I'm like, that just seems very out of place. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm just like, you know, you're, he's Batman. There's, I'm not gonna deny <laughs> yeah. that. Not not by any not by any stretch of the imagination. I've seen the suit going around too, and he looks fine. Like the mm-hmm. suit looks fine. Like that movie as a whole, I've got a big fat question mark over it because I just uh-huh. I just don't know what what the hell is going to happen in it. But um, based on what that description led to, it looks like General Zod, played by Michael Shannon, will reprise his role as um, as will the woman playing Fiora, whose name escapes me at Anche Drew. I'm probably mispronouncing and butchering that. I apologize, <laughs> but it looks like they will in fact be in this movie. Um, yeah, it looks like that. That movie, there, there. I don't have the descriptions up in front of me because I don't really want to talk too much about it. Uh, there was also descriptive footage of Black Adam as well as Shazam: Fury of the Gods. So Warner Brothers made out like bandits this this year at CinemaCon. Mm-hmm. But the irony of that is, the next day it was either Disney or Universal, whichever one. I don't remember who has Avatar. When Avatar released their first look preview, whatever Warner Brothers moved Shazam back a week, and I'm like. You guys had the December sixteenth date plastered all over CinemaCon, and it's just like, how f- how foolish are you? Like, yeah. what, what kind of sense does that make? You're gonna have all this marketing with this date, right? But then you see one trailer from one movie, and you're like, yeah, let's push it back a week. Like, what kind of thinking is that? Well, and then to add on top of that, I think it was just a few days following CinemaCon. Now there's all these rumors that Warner Brothers is looking at selling off their games division. Yeah, I saw that too. And apparently, like, Microsoft and Sony are possibly bidding to acquire IPs, and it's like, what is going on? Because could you imagine, like, if one of them acquires 
the Batman video game IP and makes the games going forward exclusive. Yeah, like, so that that would mean that um, the Arkham, or sorry, wow, I almost said Arkham Asylum games. Uh, the Suicide Squad kills the Justice League, and yeah. Gotham Knights would presumably be exclusive. The, they would be exclusive, but they'd also be the last ones developed under this umbrella. Yep. And yeah, I it's, a, it's a very interesting time for Warner Brothers. This is just wacky. And then I also saw that, um, totally unrelated, but I did see that PlayStation might buy Square Enix. I've been hearing that too. And that's a There's, rumor going around. Yeah, it's it's really weird right now. <laughs> There's just all these acquisitions, all this trying to get as many brands under yourself as you can. Uh, I, I think it's really just... Microsoft kind of Microsoft, yeah. Microsoft kind of kicked it off you know, a couple of years ago when they bought Bethesda, right? And they bought now they're buying Activision Blizzard. So it's like there's just a lot of stuff going on. But it just I'm trying to imagine like a world where you know WB, you're looking at the Batman, basically anything DC in terms of video games is Warner Brothers. So and Warner Brothers where do, games, where do right. those go? Right. You know the Harry Potter franchise. There's rumors that, you know, the, what is that, that Hogwarts legacy game? Mm-hmm. What if they, in the future, they decide to do a sequel to that and one of these companies acquires it? There's just, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And I mean, outside of the, the CinemaCon footage from Black Adam, <laughs> uh, the only other thing that really piqued my interest was Matt Reeves announcing that he's going to definitely do a sequel to the Batman. Yes. With, you know... Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, I guess the whole cast and crew is returning. So that, to me, kind of indicates that at least some portion of the story is going to deal with the ramifications by the first movie. So obviously, the Riddler is going to play a part. He's got, uh-huh. he's got to. Like, I've been saying for a while now, he's going to answer for his crimes, right? Yeah. So that begs the question, well, if everyone else is returning, then of course that also means that potentially Barry Keegan would return as the Joker. Mm-hmm. That would also mean that, I mean, it's for sure guaranteed that Colin Farrell's probably going to play the Penguin again. Yeah, Penguin's and, coming back for well, sure. Ma- well, matter of fact, that show apparently, his Penguin spinoff show apparently starts shooting in June. Oh, really? That's from what I understand. Yes. So, I'm excited. I mean, we've been on the, the Batman hype train for quite some time now. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there are it's so funny to me that that there are Batman fans who are spiteful of this movie for various reasons like I've seen people be spiteful of it because Ben Affleck isn't Batman I've seen Mm -hmm. people be spiteful towards it because they think it's like you know trying to riff off the Dark Knight it's just like Batman doing Batman things in a movie what a shock or because it's not Ben Affleck it's automatically going to be it's just like is it really that hard to enjoy things I I guess so I've been seeing the you know the opinion of it didn't make a billion dollars so therefore it's a failure for wb it's like what what are you what are you talking about asinine it's a critical and and audience uh everybody likes it you know there's yes there are people that don't like it i understand and i can see why you might not like it i don't get why you wouldn't but at the same time look i'll concede the argument that it might be a half hour too long. I'll concede that all mm-hmm. damn day, right? Yeah. Like, because typical movies for general audiences that enjoy going to movies, they like they like movies that are pushing two hours, pushing two and a half at most, right? A three hour movie's kind of an ask, but even still, I think it's super funny that that 
comic book fans especially they they, they pull the well endgame was three hours and it's like mm, <laughs> that's a bit of a special case yeah. and then of course you know Zack Snyder's Justice League is a four-hour epic, and I'm, hey, I'm not saying no to that. Like, yeah. Again, you know, another kind of special case, because that man is just on a completely different level when it comes to filmmaking. No mm-hmm. knock to any other filmmaker, because we just gushed about Sam Raimi just a couple minutes ago, but even still, like, when it, it and I think even Matt Reeves just proved himself, like, let him do what he wants, and if he's going to cook up another three-hour Batman flick, pff, I ain't yeah. going to complain yeah. at all. This world, absolutely, I'm in. Right? And especially with, like, all the right potential of who could show up. Yeah. Now, that said, I mean, we did an episode about villains we'd like to see in the sequel. Um, I've seen on Twitter before I hopped off of it, the, the, the big, big popular choice is Mr. Freeze. Yeah, I've been seeing that, too. I've been seeing a lot of fan concept art, a lot of fan, you know, posters, that kind of stuff. It does seem like Mr. Freeze seems to be the vocal favorite. Right. And even the director himself, Matt Reeves, has even mentioned Mr. Freeze. Mm -hmm. Right. And right behind Mr. Freeze is Court of Owls. And then, of course, I've even seen Hush. Um, And I I think that, like, the way that movie position, the first movie position, Gotham City, it's going to need a new district attorney. So I can imagine seeing seeing a version of Two-Face. I think that's a possibility. But... Yeah, yeah, we talked about that, I think, in our review of the movie, and I had mentioned that so. the fact that this mayor, this new mayor of Gotham, her whole goal is to, we're not going to be the corrupt city anymore, I'm going to bring people in that believe in hope and all this kind of stuff, well, what better way than to bring in a district attorney who is not going to bow to the mob, uh, Mr. Harvey Dent. Right, and then that would presumably blow up in her face, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> By having him turn into Two-Face inevitably, right? And truthfully, yep. for me, the actor I'd love to see play Two-Face, I've been saying this for a while, is John David Washington. Yes, I remember you mentioning that. I think that's a great role. That's a great casting choice. Absolutely. And, like, there's, I think I've even seen some mock-up concept art of him in the role, and I'm like, yes, please, all damn day. I mean, he was he was really great opposite Robert Pattinson in Tenet, right? Like, mm-hmm. That was a really great movie for him. He was great in Black Klansman. At least I think he was in Black Klansman. Let me just double check that really quick. But I'm pretty sure he was. I haven't seen Black Klansman yet. Oh, that movie was phenomenal. Spike Spike Lee, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was Ron Stallworth. That's right, main character. Yeah. That movie's phenomenally funny. Well, hmm. I'll just check it out. Funny in the sense that the 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 in the moment subtle humor that he brings to his character is f- funny as hell mm. just i liked it i know a lot of other people didn't but i like i quite enjoyed it but i'm i'm more favorable of, of spike lee than than most so honestly had he not been cast as the penguin i would have been kind of intrigued to see colin farrell as harvey dent that would have been kind of interesting to me he was almost batman once yeah <laughs> yeah as we noted on another that, previous episode in that bizarro idea that they had for that batman versus superman movie that would have been so weird okay so you just mentioned the the word bizarro right and (laughs) yeah that's the villain right now in superman and lois the only reason i know this because i stopped watching the show like 11 or 12 episodes into season one because i i just couldn't stand the 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 narrative and storytelling of that of that at all and Mm -hmm. the people who vehemently hate the show pulled up a clip 
from this se- from the current season, right? It's Bizarro Superman. He's... Oh, is is this the one that you shared on Twitter with the backwards S? Yes, it's that very okay. same one, and it, it people are taking it out of context. They're saying, "Oh, why did why why do people hate what Zack Snyder did with Superman, but they are okay with this shit?" Blah blah blah. blah. And I'm like, I looked at the clip, right? I haven't watched any of season two, so I'm again seeing this clip out of context. And the, my first thought is, you know, it's Superman and Lois having an argument, but it, clearly it's Bizarro Superman. And I'm just like. How the hell does she not know that the the, the, the symbol is inverted, right? Like I'm I'm legitimately confused because you know the the show has them being this very what's the right word here very loving trustworthy couple, right? But mm-hmm. this to me just feels like a a bizarre situation, if you will, right? So I'm like, yeah. how, how does she not know? Mutual friend, mutual podcaster Scott McClellan from DC Squadcast goes, "What do you mean?" I go, "Well, his his symbol's inverted. And Lois Lane's been with him for God knows how long, and he." she doesn't realize it he goes it's bizarre world i go oh 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 (laughs) this makes so much more sense now this makes a lot of sense now but from what i understand though they kind of mix mashed the doomsday like breaking out of the you know center of the earth origin with bizarro and kind of that's how they're doing this, kind of, sort of, for, for season two. I don't really know again. I can't really speak too much to it. I haven't watched it. I'm, again, not too much of a, of a Superman and Lois kind of guy, but I just found that funny, the bizarre thing. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that was that was my bizarre yeah. take for last. For I, I saw the trailer for the show back when it was first, like, coming out, and I was just like, eh, not for me. Yeah, I gave it a shot. I tried. I tried. That's, that's, that's about all I can say. I tried. Yeah. That's anyway. Back to Batman because again, like, there's a sequel coming. I don't know that they, they haven't dated it. They haven't set a production date. I don't even think they've even started a script. But I'm sure Matt Reeves has an yeah. idea in mind, right? I, I think at gen like being generous, I think maybe later half of 2023 if we're lucky. But that's that's even like a generous take. I, I think this movie's like 2024. I think maybe could, even 2025. I, I think production could start. I think filming at the very least could start late next year. Yeah. At the very least. But I, I, I'm feeling 2025. Yeah. And here's another thing, you know, the, the budget for the first film was inflated allegedly due to, due to COVID. COVID. Concern, right. Yeah. And, and it went from a hundred million to 200 million. I don't think they have to worry about that with the next film. No, no. I think by that point, that yeah, I'll be curious what kind of budget they give him for the sequel. And that's the other thing is since it's the sequel, they're probably going to balloon it a little bit as opposed to what they gave, what they allowed for the first one. So I could see the the sequel landing in the oh 125 upwards of 150 million dollars, and that's provided mm-hmm. they don't have to do any like super heavy reshoots or anything like that. You know, time will tell, I'm sure. And then once the script's done, you have to imagine that there's going to be casting announcements. Maybe there's a new suit. Maybe there's an upgraded Batmobile. I don't know. I'm not privy to this shit as some people would like to assume that I am, but I'm not. (laughs) But yeah. And the teaser trailer ends with the words, the Iceman cometh. Why do you hate me? (laughs) Why, why, Why do you do this to me? Yeah. Just why? Why me? (laughs) 
be funny as hell if that was the last line, though. I would, I would love it. <laughs> and that's the other thing. Like, people are already kind of like, um, they're already theorizing like, what would the title be? And I'm, I'm, all, I'm just all for it. Batman colon Heart of Ice. Mm-hmm. I'd be down with that. But yeah, you know, Bat- Batman sequels happening with Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson, the entire cast and crew, and you already know we will talk about it. And it is interesting the fact that you know the two most popular villain choices people are saying is Iceman and or Iceman. Iceman, good job. <laughs> yeah. Iceman, uh, Mister Freeze, and Court of Owls. I mean, in terms of the context of the Court of Owls storyline, why not both? <laughs> exactly, because <laughs> Mister Freeze himself makes an appearance, I think, in the annual. Then that's yep, in, in the annual. Yep, it's in the annual, and the annual is in the the tie-in book City yep. of Owls. Yep, because there's so why not have both? You could have Court of Owls, the Talons, and Mister Freeze. Because there's Volume One, Court of the Owls. Volume Two, see, there's Night and City of the Owls. I don't remember which ones, which, but one's the event, it's a one's Volume Court Two, Court of Owls, and then Night of Owls. Okay, so City of Owls is the event book then. Yeah. Okay, there we go. I don't, I don't have my bookcase in front of me, so I couldn't tell you. I just remember because I was I've been reading through my um. Batman omnibus that has like quite a bit of the those stories in it. It's got okay. death death of the family, court of owls, all of that's in there. You mean death in the family? Death in the family. I hate. Or the no, way no, no. Actually, no. It would be death of the family because it's it's the entire Bat family and the Joker cuts yeah. his face off, right? Okay. Yeah. 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 The, the 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 titles are so close. It's easy to. Get I know. I up. can't stand the fact that they made them so similar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is what it is. I mean, there's there's another couple books that do that too, and I don't remember what they are, but you know, it'll probably come to me later. Anyway, speaking of books, um, comics actually, the comics industry lost an absolute legend in the form of Neil Adams, which suddenly passed away just a few days ago at the ripe age of eighty, and yeah. this was just heartbreaking. Like, I was beside myself. Like, I, I April twenty eighth, so just just last week mm-hmm. that was last thursday so a week from tomorrow he'd passed away and he was one of the most prominent batman artists of the 70s uh him and denny o'neill practically revitalized him as the dark knight detective taking yeah like stepping away from that 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 campy hey ho chum batman and going back to his detective roots from the early early golden age of comics uh, also co-created Ra's al Ghul, Jon Stewart, and I want to say one other character. Um, he did also draw the Superman vs. Muhammad Ali in 1978, <laughs> and then he is also largely the reason why Siegel and Schuster got the recognition they do for Superman, and um, also was a big advocate of creators getting their due for the creations that they create. Hmm. truly one one of the nicest artists i've ever met because i met him um i want to say around this time 2014 no you know what it was early january of 2014 i got it the same day i got my tattoo i got my tattoo as a birthday present and he was going to be at the shop that i actually used to work at but no longer work at and there was a line of people um i got an original print of batman and robin 
signed by him. I got my Batman nice. poster, which is the cover of 251 with the Joker holding Batman on a playing card for the first issue of Joker's Five-Way Revenge. Got that signed. And then I asked him, because I was curious at the time, of which way you pronounce Rachel Ghoul's name. Is it Rachel Ghoul or is it Rachel Ghoul? Because <laughs> I, I, I was always curious. Yeah. Especially after seeing Batman Begins and the Batman the Animated Series, like because it's pronounced different ways in each iteration, right? So mm-hmm. he told me, you know, this is straight from the horse and mouth creator himself. You know, he's like, it's up to the reader. Entirely yeah. up to the reader, <laughs> entirely up to interpretation, right? Yep. But the one story I will never forget is he talked about the creation of Jon Stewart, the the Green Lantern, right? Mm-hmm. And he was telling us that when it came time to create the character and it came time, you know, he came up with the idea that he wanted to be a very intelligent, intelligent man, a man of, you know, that was a Marine, a man that was also an architect. Like he wanted Jon Stewart to just be, you know, they, they also wanted to be very progressive with this. So they made him African-American. So also they, um, when he, when it came time for the name, the editor at the time, Julie Schwartz, was like, you know, what are we going to name this guy? You know, names are thrown around. Schwartz goes, what about Lincoln Washington? <laughs> Neil, <laughs> and Neil Adams goes, are you, what? No. <laughs> are you just, no, we're not going to call him Lincoln Washington. Schwartz goes, you got a better name? And Neil goes, yeah, John Stewart. And I was like, that's it. <laughs> and ever since then. I mean, I, look, it's funny because there's a, a trailer that released today for the new Green Lantern movie called Green Lantern Beware My Power. Jon Stewart is the main Green Lantern in this movie, and it kind of looks like they gave him Hal Jordan's origin a little bit, too. Yeah, it does. But Jon Stewart is my favorite Green Lantern for a number of different reasons, mostly because of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, the animated shows yeah. from yeah. Bruce Timm that played on Cartoon Network, right? But yep. I would not have that if not for this man. And it just... It saddens me greatly that that comics lost such an icon because Neil Adams was just, man, that one hurt. I mean, you just, you Google Neil Adams Batman and these covers and these panels, the art is just so fantastic. You can see, like you said, they brought Batman back to kind of a, you know, a dark detective, you know, much more sinister looking style to it. You know, there's a lot of very dark colors. There's a lot of shadows. There's a lot of emphasis on, you know, Batman blending into the shadows. And a lot of this art that I'm looking at, it's very, very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he was just an absolute legend in his own right. There's no question about it whatsoever. Like, he, one of my favorite artists, bar none. I'm looking at these comic covers, though. 15 cents. Oh, if only. Yeah, if only, right? That's for the whole damn book, too. Not Yeah, not just for the, the whole book. Whole damn book. 20 cents. So, rest in peace to an absolute legend and kind man. That, you know, that's that's just one meeting I'll never forget. That dude was just absolutely Yeah, that's an awesome story. Yeah, he was really great. Really great to meet. Really nice. He was nice to everybody who came in. And you just, you know, there was a kind energy to him, too. Like, he... I don't, I don't know what other way to put it. He was just a fantastic person to be around. That's awesome. And I only met him the one time, too, and I'm kind of sad I didn't get to meet him ever again. You could say that was a legendary meeting you between the two of you. Huh, I see what you did there. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the main meat of our current episode, episode 23, is Legendary Moments of the Dark Knight Volume 4. For anyone who's been listening along, we'd love to do this ever so often. We try to do it once a month, but, you know, time schedules, that shit gets in the way. Being an adult kind of sucks, but eh, here we are. <laughs> but as the rules usually apply, you know, we will go five to one legendary moments and it can be from any batman medium be it comics movies games maybe even a radio maybe even animation um mine mostly this time are uh from let's see i've got three movies one comic and one animated movie so yeah i've got let's see two comic two movies no two comic three movies Okay, there we go. We're going to have a little bit of variety this episode. Mm -hmm. And then, as always, we will always wrap up our episode with another little chat about um, another episode of Batman the Animated Series. Yep. So, yeah, let's just kind of dive right into it. Craig, would you like to go first with your number five? Yeah, so number five for me was actually inspired um, after our last episode, um, and we talked pretty intensely about uh heath ledger and Mm. the impact he had as the joker in the dark knight which led me to this first legendary moment for me um the interrogation scene between Mm. him and batman in the dark knight okay um you that probably for me my absolute favorite scene in the whole movie seeing these two characters finally in the same room and mentally and kind of in a way emotionally battling one another um the way the joker just he he, i mean there's no way that he has batman by the balls in this scene Mm. he knows exactly what he's doing he knows what he's gonna set batman up for and to watch batman kind of realize that oh no this guy has got me hook line and sinker like it's just a really fantastic scene the way it even starts when, you know, Gordon's in the room with Joker and he's, you know, okay, I'm going to need coffee for this. Goes out of the room, lights come on, Batman's right behind him, slams Joker into the table. And the very first thing, what does he do? He doesn't get intimidated. He just looks up at Batman. Never start with the head. The victim gets all fuzzy. He can't feel the next. And then Batman slams his fist into his fingers. And Joker just looks up. See? <laughs> a great way to start their confrontation here well even his rebuttal batman's rebuttal to the joker in that scene is just you know you wanted me yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> see that that voice is not easy to do you no, gotta give bail no, credit no, no it's not <laughs> yeah and that um, you know that that whole exchange in, in and of itself is just you know something to behold i remember that like you could feel the tenseness in yeah. the audience when I remember the tenseness in the audience when watching that movie for the first time in theaters, because you could just feel the tension between the two of them and the way that even the Zimmer score ticks in mm-hmm. throughout. I love the that Zimmer. That. that Joker. That Joker theme in that movie is so good. It's so simplistic, but it is just it just builds and builds and builds, and it goes along with how the scenes build with him. How every scene when that theme kicks in. You're like, oh crap! Something's gonna happen. Something's gonna happen. Something's gonna happen. <laughs> well, he he even tells 
like he kind of even lays it out for Batman in that one scene of like not necessarily his plan, but his just overall ambition. He's like, I don't want to kill you. Yeah, you're. It's just too easy. It's too much yeah. fun, right? Like when the way he's like, you complete me, right? Like there's so much just gravitas in that delivery from what he mm-hmm. tells him, and then you know he even goes as far as to like he taunts Batman into saying, you know, the only way you're going to save, you know, Denton mm-hmm. and Rachel is if you take off your mask. But then he kind of gives in. He goes, oh, okay, fine. I'll, I'll tell you where they're at. She, and he, you know, spits yeah. out the address for both of them, right? And then, and then what's funny, and I don't mean that statistically, but like he tells Batman where each of them is. And then mm-hmm. Batman says he's going for Rachel, which then leads Gordon and the rest of, Gotham PD to presume for Dent. for go for Dent, but he gave him he flip flopped the addresses exactly, and even so, I think Batman knew that intentionally mm-hmm. when going when going to save you know who we went to save. Yep, that's a good choice. Mine is all my number five is also from a movie, and it's a little bit more recent. Well, not really. It's actually seven years old as of March. Uh, my number five is I'll Make You a Promise Martha Won't Die Tonight. Ah, nice. From Batman versus Superman. Batman v Superman. Right. And this scene, to me, I feel it's legendary because you've got a Batman who's spent the entirety of this movie, right? Like, he's he spent the entirety of this movie, like, hunting down Superman and thinking that the Superman is his enemy. But then you get to the pivotal Martha sequence, and then, you know, he, he comes to the realization, like, holy shit, I just became Joe Chill. Like, I'm not going to let that happen. I, I can't let that happen, because if I, if, I, if I do, then he's going to, you know, go down the same road that I went down, and that's just... Yep. That's not okay. And he, even then, he also comes to the realization that Superman is a human. He has human tendencies and he was raised here on this planet and he has a mother and oh shit his mom's name is the same name as my mom holy Mm -hmm. damn not in a did we just become best friends kind of way but like i can level with this dude because our we have a mutual commonality in the way that we were brought up right well and he realizes too if he if he kills superman he's taking a son away from a mother just like he, as a son, his mother was taken from him. Correct. Oh, but no, they have the same names. That's so stupid. Internet fanboys are the bane of my existence, I swear. But yeah, that is that is a very good scene. It, and it, it just further, it's the beginning, it's that spark that starts Affleck's Batman on his path to redemption and right. getting him on track, making him kind of similar to, you know, Pattinson's Batman in the Batman where he has his realization that he needs to become a symbol of hope. Affleck realizes he needs to become, he needs to believe again and he needs to stand up and he needs to do more. Right. Correct. him Okay. So we've got the interrogation from the Joker's Batman, the dark Knight, as well yep. as I'll make you promise Martha won't die tonight. We're moving on to number four. So next one for me is a comic one. Um, as like I said, I've been reading through this like gigantic omnibus of Batman stories, mm-hmm. and um, now that we know that there is a Batman, the Batman sequel coming out, and one of the more popular choices for people, is, like we said, is a uh, Court of Owls. Um, I want to give a legendary moment shout out to um, just that whole 
mind F scene in the Court of Owls storyline where they get Bruce in this like labyrinth. Mm-hmm. My God, now reading that, knowing what Reeves is capable of, I want the Court of Owls in the next Batman movie because I want to see a scene like this play out and see what Reeves does with it because holy crap. You talk about a situation where Bruce is just put through the freaking ringer and the the art style and just these really creepy things that you see as Batman is in this just labyrinth and he can't figure a way to get out. And it's one of the few times I think we've seen just Batman just emotionally and mentally broken. It comes to mind because I remember some of the covers that came out from that. Like, yeah, he's, he's got um, one of his one of his eye pieces is busted. The cowl's yeah. kind of crumbling on one side. Yeah, it his, he, he's literally in both physicality and he's falling apart because they are just messing with him in every way possible. I, I really, really dug that. And I'm just sitting there going, man, I want to see what Reeves could do with something like this. Yeah, I'm kind of curious myself to see if the Court of Owls will make an appearance. And I mean, you know, we've talked at nauseum about whether or not they will. I mean, if they do, I would hope to see Mr. Freeze in there in some capacity uh-huh. as well. But like, to that point, the fact that the Court of Owls plays a role in Gotham in that they, they are this secretive society of rich hooty tooty people who just wear owl masks and they have this undead army of assassins at their disposal and then they take Batman and they basically like show him like you think you know the city no Mm -hmm. you don't know shit about this city we own this city right yeah and to put him through a a labyrinth like that I don't think would has been done in live action before because like no if you think of like all the, the major hit points in Batman's cinematic history like you've got you know his encounter with the joker in 89 then you've got penguin and catwoman in returns then you get two-face and riddler with forever right then you get mr freeze and poison ivy then you move into the nolan trilogy nolan trilogy covers his origin his first time meeting with the joker which is essentially kind of like the man who laughs coupled with the long halloween and then Mm -hmm. you get to the dark knight rises which is essentially dark knight returns no man's land and nightfall all rolled into one story which is I liked it for what it is now. Years ago, I wasn't too favorable of it, but, you know, things change. And <laughs> then, of course, you get to BBS, which was, again, kind of a play on The Dark Knight Returns meets The Death of Superman. And then, of course, now you get to The Batman, which is um, Long Halloween, Year One, as well as a little bit of Zero Year and Ego rolled in there as well, maybe with some hints of Earth One. So with the sequel, it would only make sense to kind and especially since the first film pulled from Zero Year, which is a prominent Scott Snyder Greg Capullo run. Yep. If you follow through, and even if there's a time jump, not saying there will, but if there is a time jump, and you know he's three, four, maybe five years into his career now, as opposed to two, I think it would make sense to have of of you know an antagonist that has not yet been introduced on screen. Quarter mm-hmm. would fit that bill, right? But also one to do to really push the boundaries of what you're able to showcase Batman doing on screen. And I think putting Batman through that kind of wacko underground labyrinth and having him just lose his freaking mind. Yeah. That would be worth it, I think. Well, and the fact, you know, if we do, let's say there is a time jump, you know, we're four or five years later, 
Pattinson's Batman, his Bruce, he's more adept at being Batman now. And again, mm-hmm. he's he's got this flipped mentality of I have to be this symbol of hope. I have to show the people of Gotham that we can persevere. What better way to try to break that men that viewpoint than the Court of Owls coming in and going, yeah, you think you're helping this city? You think you are the one that's going to save the city? We control this city. You have no chance against us. Exactly. It would be the perfect kind of foil to this version of Batman, especially, again, you know, hypothetically speaking, if they do like a two, three year time jump, because, you know, obviously this is going to, the flood that Riddler did is going to be long term damage, right? Yeah. Like there's going to be. That's obviously a zero year exactly. situation there. Exactly. And if you do that time jump, right, like you have the opportunity because obviously he's going to have to be locked into Arkham for some time. He's going to have mm-hmm. time to think for himself. He's going to have time to maybe plot with the Joker. Of how yeah, I was going to say he's going to need out. time to get to know the Joker and then figure out what their next steps are. You know, here's another controversial one I'll give you. I think, and if they did a time jump, introduce Robin flat out. Don't even bother doing the circus origin. Just introduce Dick Grayson as the ward of Bruce Wayne. Have him be angry, though. Have him be a mirrored I'm, version. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah, have him be a mirrored version of what Bruce was in the first of the Batman movie. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm now, cool and now it's up to Bruce to be, you know, that hope, but also to take it upon himself as Bruce Wayne to try and guide this young man who's troubling through the anger that he went through and mm-hmm. here's an even bigger twist maybe make tony zuko a, a low-level member of the court of owls and that's where this all begins yeah yeah absolutely because in the court of owls it's also um revealed that dick grayson was being groomed to become one of the talents talents yep so i don't know i i hope matt reeves includes a robin I would love to see a version of Robin in this in this universe. I hope it happens. He seems more open to it than Christopher Nolan was. So yeah, I mean, because I mean, if you think about it, look at the Batman. We didn't need to see the origin of Bruce. It's just two years into it, and he's Batman. So why not throw a Robin in there where he's already had time to develop into Robin? Not only that, like people are so familiar, like even general audiences, yeah, they know Dick exactly. Grayson's Robin and they know his parents died in a circus. You don't yep. need to do it again because Batman Forever already kind of did it. Yep. But even still, like it, it just feels like it feels like it almost falls into the same category as the murder of the Waynes, as the Uncle Ben death, as, yep. you know, Superman falling from Krypton to Earth, right? Like yep. it, it almost feels in that category, but I don't know that it quite does because there are ironically enough some people out there who think that batman operates better without a robin i'm just like oh eat a bag of shit <laughs> like you're entitled to your opinion that's fine but to completely disregard one pivotal character that has been around since 1940 jerk it somewhere else pal because i ain't part of your circle yeah I'm just, yeah, no. Robin's one of my favorite characters. He's always been one of my favorite characters, and it, it's it's always kind of bothered me that he hasn't been in a movie since 95. Yeah, I mean, I grew, I mean, we both grew up. We grew up with the animated series Robin and how he constantly kind of poked the bear with Batman. And, you know, that show did such a good job at slowly showing hints that him and Batman were starting not to get quite see eye to eye and that he was getting a little hot-headed 
and eventually he does reach his breaking point and goes off and becomes Nightwing. And here's another thing that I constantly hear. Oh, well, it wouldn't make sense for him to take in a kid and have him beat up or put him in the face of crime. And I'm like, well, don't make him a kid. Make him a teenager. Yeah, I mean, that's what the animated series did. Right. He wasn't He wasn't a kid. He was, he was already he's, he's like a college kid. Yeah, exactly. And even he doesn't the, need to be the he doesn't need to be the boy wonder. He can just be Robin. Right. And even even in forever, you know, he was a college student. That's cool. I'm not even saying make him an outright college. Student. I'm saying make yeah. him a high schooler. Like we've yeah. seen teenage superheroes like Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's like, hello. Oh, but yeah. Spider-Man has superpower. Oh, I'm, I'm just over that argument. Anyway, <laughs> no, I would love to see. The Court of Owls, the Owl Labyrinth. Like I, I would yeah. really like to see that done in live action, for sure. And again, shout out to, I mean, just the the art in that whole sequence. It just, man, that is nightmare fuel. But also, you just can't pull your eyes away from it because you're just like, how did they do this? Indeed. Indeed. I don't know. Greg Capullo is a phenomenal artist. He did a lot of work on Spawn before he hopped over to Batman. So that's, that's you can definitely why. see it in this. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we have Court of Owls, Bruce and the Owl Labyrinth. That's a good pull. Uh, mine is actually going to be from an animated film, Justice League Doom, and it's the very end of the movie where Batman quits the Justice League. I love it. Yeah, I remember we talked about this, I think, either last episode or the episode before it. I love Justice League Doom. Oh, Justice League Doom is a phenomenal movie where Vandal Savage has Mirror Master steal the contingency plans that Batman has for the Justice League, warps them into kill plans, and then proceeds to try and kill the rest of the Justice League. And this results in the Justice League having a vote at the end of the movie of whether or not Batman should stay on. And Batman, to his credit, Wonder Woman says something to the effect of, you know, we should let the accused speak on their behalf. Yeah, yeah. And, and Batman's like, yeah, I did it. I wouldn't, and I would do it again. Straight yeah. up and not even denying it. And he was just like, if you guys can't see the potential threat that you are, if you are under the influence of anything evil, then I have nothing else to say. If you you don't even need to vote, I quit. Yeah, and then he just walks out. And then Superman even follows up with him and is like, "Hey, you know, you had all these contingency plans for us." And Bruce is like, "Yeah, what's your point?" And he's like, "Well, you didn't have one for yourself. I'm kind of curious. Was there ever one? One?" And Bruce just looks at him and goes, "Yeah, the Justice League." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Superman gives him a box of kryptonite and promptly yeah. says, "You know." If, there, if we were to go rogue, if anything were to happen to us, there would be someone I would want to trust in case that is the case. And he hands him kryptonite. I'm like, there we go. And do you remember, was Justice League Doom, was that before or after Under the Red Hood? It was after the Red Hood. It was 2012. Okay. Because I, I really, really think those, those movies, I, I do like um, that kind of like shared animated universe that they eventually developed uh with all of those movies but i loved a, a lot of these standalone batman animated films and uh, mm -hmm. doom to me yes it is a justice league movie but to me it is it's a batman movie he, i mean he is he is central to the plot and that ending scene really defines his character yes yeah, I couldn't agree more because it's 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 a showcase of not only is he prepared for everything, but he's even willing to admit that yeah, I did that. Like mm -hmm. it, it's accountability on Batman's part. Yeah, I did it. I would do it again. And if you can't see that, f you, I'm off. <laughs> exactly right, and that's why I think it's 
one of the most legendary moments in an animated movie as far as Batman's concerned. Yeah. All right, moving on to number three. All right, number three for me, this is a uh, another film one for me Okay. Um, from Batman v Superman. It's a very quick scene, but I count it as a legendary moment because it's just seeing this play out on the big screen. Um, the, the lead up to him and Superman's battle and they're oh. on the roof. Okay. And um, Bruce shoots this uh, little canister at Superman, and Superman catches it, and this green mist hits him in the face. And so he goes over, and he's he's going to punch Batman, and Batman blocks his punch. And just that look, the look of Superman looking at, like, wait, what just happened? So and Batman's little... Yeah, and Batman's little smirk and then proceeds to just whoop Superman for a little bit. It's such a simple scene, but my God, have I been waiting to see something like that on the big screen. Oh, dude, he he gives Superman the business, no questions asked. Like, he he tells him outright, you're not brave. Men are brave. Men are brave. And he just proceeds to whoop the shit out of him on top of the old GCPD building. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I love that scene. It leads to just this great battle between the two of them. Um, yeah. Man. You know, it's funny. My my number three is also kind of a smaller moment from one of the other movies. It's actually from The Dark Knight, funny enough. And it's not even a Batman in costume moment. It's a Bruce Wayne moment. So mm. it's right as the Joker is threatening to blow up the hospital. Um, and he says whoever can kill uh, I, okay, I know something going. Reese, Mr. Reese within 60 yeah. minutes, if you don't kill Mr. Reese within 60 minutes, I'm going to blow up a hospital, right? Yeah. And then, you know, they're at a stoplight. Gordon, he's with a rookie cop, and there's a couple cars, and then behind those couple cars is Bruce Wayne in his Lamborghini, right? And then yep. Bruce is at a stoplight. He sees this truck, and he sees the car that they're all in, and he uh-huh. sees that this dude is about ready to ram into this car, hoping to kill Reese, right? Yeah. So what does Bat? What does Bruce Wayne do? Proceeds to speed up, yeah. get in front of it, and take the hit. Right. But yeah. then, as they're getting out and they deal with the wreck, right? Like Gordon goes, "What do you, uh, Mister Bruce Wayne?" You know, they have their conversation. And he's like, "You, you just did a brave thing. You know who you just say. You know you just did." And Bruce hey, goes, yeah. "What? Try to make the light or something yeah. like that?" And he glances over and he makes eye contact with Mister Reese right. and. You can just tell he just kind of gives him a smirk, and Mr. Reese is just like, "Oh my God, this dude just saved my life." <laughs> After this dude has been trying to yeah, basically so him. oust Bruce Wayne yeah. as Batman since he found the R and D sketch of the Batmobile, right? Yeah, that's a great scene. It was, and it just it was a fun. It's one. another further proof that Nolan did a really good job of blending Batman and Bruce Wayne and making them both important and integral to the storyline my only sadness about that is that that lamborghini didn't become the next batmobile yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's the only sad face i have with that because it, it looked like a freaking batmobile yeah it did it looked like a batmobile it looked yeah. like a batmobile that you saw from a denny o'neill and neil adams comic yep and it looked fantastic and i wish it didn't get wrecked Wah. Oh wait, no, because he's got the Lambo in the Dark Knight Rises. Because Catwoman steals it from him at the at the party. Oh um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he might have had two of them. Who knows? <laughs> All right, 
moving on to number twos, I'll take the floor with this one. My number two, yeah. um, I've talked about it before. I don't know that I've done. Actually, I've, I've talked about it before, but just not in our legendary moments. But I did talk about it when we've talked about a certain character. And my number two is from a comic. It is from Deathstroke number seven, 1991, from Marv Wolfman, Steve Irwin, and Will Blyberg. And it's Batman versus Deathstroke. And this is the first time that Batman actually loses to Deathstroke. Oh, okay. So this is the panel where Batman and Bruce are having it out. And it's because they're both after going after a similar target. And essentially, Slade tells him, like, you know, you trained your body to fight. You trained yourself to fight. I trained myself to kill. I'm also enhanced. And he just beats the absolute pulp and shit out of Batman, mm. leaves him on top of a clock tower, and goes, till next time, Batman. The oh, re- I'm, I, I'm trying to look up. I did. I found a couple of panels here. I've got the book yeah. in front of me. And I love it. I love this book so much. Uh, this, the story is City of Assassins, by the way. Okay. And it's just so damn good. Oh, just so, so good. I mean, further proves. I mean, like I said, I think I mentioned it. Um, you know, Deathstroke, that's a character I'd like to see Reeves do. I mean, yeah. So we the, unfortunately, we didn't get it. We got a little hint of him in Snyder. But to fully see him in there and see these two face off on the big screen. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, so the dialogue goes, no, you're good, Batman, but you're just an ordinary man. I've been enhanced. I'm stronger, faster, far more vicious. You've trained yourself to fight. I've trained myself to kill. And it should come down to it, Batman. If I have to kill to get what I want, well... There will be one more angel looking to win his wings, and Gotham will then sink into its sump hole just that much faster, and then Deathstroke just gives it to him a couple more times, <laughs> and then he proceeds to say, another time, Batman. Yep. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. And honestly, I think the next Batman animated movie they should do is Batman versus Deathstroke. That would be sweet. God, that'd be so amazing. We we got we have to in animated form and move in live action form. Give us a battle between Batman and Deathstroke. You know it's funny, Jay. I did see. I was watching a stream. I was watching a mutual friend, uh, Andre from the Nicotina Show. He showed um, Jay Oliver did like a, a Twitter feed dump, and one mm-hmm. of the one of the concept art that he showed from a storyboard was of Deathstroke, presumably from the canceled Batfleck movie. And Deathstroke is holding his sword, but in the sword's reflection, you see Batman's cowl, and you see Batman. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, see, can we just get this as an animated movie? Yeah. I just, I would just really love that. That's, that's, that's kind of all I want at this point now. Like, Batman versus Deathstroke in animated form. I'll take it. But yeah, that's, that's my number two. All right, so my number two uh, is actually also a comic one. Hmm. Um... It is from, uh, like I mentioned earlier, it's from uh, Batman, Death of the Family. Um, so this this story, let's just real quick. Death of the Family is just, holy crap, man. You mm-hmm. talk about Joker being one of the scariest, most unpredictable, just, my God, this story starts with him massacring police officers in the GCPD. Mm-hmm. I mean, so much happens in this storyline. He kidnaps Alfred. He abducts, gets his hands on all of the Bat family. 
just messes with them, makes them think that their faces have all been cut off, douses them in toxin, makes them battle one another. But for me, so the, the legendary moment is, for me, is the end of all of this. You know, Batman gets free. He chases Joker into these caves where apparently, I guess, like these caves can somehow lead to the Batcave. Mm-hmm. And there's this big kind of like, does Joker know where the Batcave is or does he not? But um, him and Joker square off. And remember, too, this is a Joker that cut his own face off and then stapled it back on his face. So right. he's just he's literally looks like a walking corpse at this point. And they uh, so they have their like a little back and forth. And then Batman starts to give hints to Joker that he knows his true identity. And this causes Joker to kind of panic and, you know, oh, you're messing with me. And he's really starting to everything that Joker has done. He's been relishing this. He's been enjoying everything that he's been doing. But now he's starting to figure out, oh, my gosh, Batman knows who I am. And Batman plays it up. He's, you know, I know who you are. And he threatens to whisper it in Joker's ear. And Joker freaks out and falls off the edge of a waterfall and just falls out of sight, presumably dying. You know, they do the typical Joker is gone. Is he dead? Probably not. But just the way that Batman got under Joker's skin in this instance and he didn't beat him by beating him up. He didn't beat him by any kind of physical means. He just, he, 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 he mind effed the Joker, which doesn't happen often. You're right. It does not happen often at all. It honestly kind of reminded me of the, um, the way that Terry McGinnis beat Joker in the animated movie Return of the Joker. You know, he, he just plays up the fact that he he's not scared of Joker. He doesn't find him intimidating. He's like, you're just some old clown. And Joker gets more and more upset and loses focus of what he's trying to do. It, it reminded me a lot of that. So it was just it's that was a great way, I think, to end just an absolute crazy storyline. Yeah, you know, it's been a while since I've read that. I have Capullo and Snyder's run in its entirety, I think up to volume seven. Yeah. So I should be able to read that if I so choose to revisit it. So, yeah, I, I would recommend going back as a man. I, for, for my first time reading that storyline, I was just like, my God, this is insane. It is pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah. I dig that. Okay. So we've got Batman versus Deathstroke and then majority of death of the family. All right. Moving on to number ones. You can go first. I, okay. I, I can wait. So my number one legendary moment for this round um, is from The Batman. And uh, pretty simple. His introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm vengeance? Yeah, just everything. Oh, oh, oh okay. That whole lead up. I mean, yeah. The, okay, yes. The opening scene is the, is the Riddler scene. You know, killing um, Mayor what's Mitchell. What's his name? Yeah, the mayor. To me, the true opening scene of this movie is that introduction. You know, the voiceover, him yes. talking about. You know, I've been doing this for two years. I, you know, I basically I've become a night dweller and all this stuff. And you see these thugs, and they're you know hanging out on this train, and they see this guy kind of just give them a side eye. So they're right. like, okay, we're going after this dude. 
and there's really not that much dialogue besides his quick little voiceover, then they're, you know, they corner the guy and they're going to beat him up. But then you hear these thumps and they Mm -hmm. look over and it's just this really dark hallway. And just the way Reeve shot that, no music, no dialogue, just these heavy thumps as somebody's approaching and they're looking and they're trying to figure out and then he pops into frame and then that whole scene plays out and you know who the hell are you supposed to be and he beats the crap out of that goon and then that whole fight scene plays out just his introduction that is a great way to introduce that character Uh, they're just bravo chef's kiss yeah the voiceover monologue worked well for me as well i i can't disagree i really like that aspect i like the aspect of him putting on the eye paint in like a a tin can or something under a red red light yeah um and even seeing the goons harass that gothamite and then proceed to like harass him some more then they hear the footsteps which is like almost like a a cowboy stepping into a saloon yeah it's like a mix it's to me it's like it's a it's that kind of feeling but also the feeling of like almost like a monster movie yeah like you're waiting for the monster to come into frame because you know something's coming it's just very very well done and even the way he proceeds just beat the absolute shit out of this person he just (laughs) just just absolutely wails the crap out of him and then proceeds to take out the rest of his gang too yeah like that was just phenomenal it's just it's still the the fact that we saw that so long ago on that first teaser trailer and i it still had such an impact in the theater the first time i saw it the way he just he catches the guy's arm you know gives him a couple of good ones in the face but then continues punching him the dude's falling back dude falls to the ground and he's like i'm not done thwack 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 i'm like oh my god yeah just a couple (laughs) more good looks for good measure and then then like puffs his chest over I'm vengeance. Yeah, and then all these goons who were laughing at him a second ago, they just saw their buddy get the absolute shit beat out of him. Now, and I they're know, like, oh, I know, no. I know it was raining. You'd have to imagine at least one of them probably <laughs> yeah. pissed themselves. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Especially since dude whipped out a machete and, like, <laughs> yeah. it was down within seconds. Like, yep. no question about it. And then the one goon tries to shoot at him and, one yep. of the, you know, Batman takes the bullet and then proceeds to give him, like, a... That electric gauntlet yeah. or whatever it was that he had. I call it the bat bite. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. I mean, it's, it's also kind of invocative of the electric shot gauntlets from uh, Batman Arkham Origins. Yeah. So here's the real irony. Um, not only did um, our legendary moments start with an interrogation sequence from one Batman movie, it's oh, about oh yeah, it's about <laughs> it's about to end with an interrogation from another Batman movie, and mine is also from the Batman, and it is indeed the final confrontation <laughs> yep. between Batman and the Riddler in the Batman. What are you done? Well, even just like leading up to that, where where yeah. Batman comes in and Riddler goes, "I told you I'd see you in hell." Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's the subtlety in his delivery there, but then also how he proceeds to just kind of he goes, "Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne," and then proceeds to just spew his vile, just his his vile view 
of the way that at least his vile view of the way society has treated him from his perspective right like how he feels like how he he grew up an orphan right like if you've read the batman prequel novel or if you've done an audio audible book which i did you find out that edward edward nashen was actually an orphan who grew up in the wayne manor orphanage after his parent after bruce and his parents left it and turned into an orphanage and moved into wayne tower so when news broke that Thomas Wayne had been murdered, Edward Nashton feels like, well, shit, nobody gave a damn about us. They only gave a damn about the rich kid up in Wayne Tower looking down on us with all that money and just yeah. going on and on. And then he says, Bruce Wayne, he was the only one we didn't get. Yeah. And then Batman kind of, he finally, he kind of relieves himself a little bit. He steps into the light and him and Riddler are talking and Riddler kind of lays it out for him he's like you know we did this you helped me do this we've been doing yeah, this the entire batman. time yeah right like he he thinks that him and batman have been kind of a team yeah. and and batman's like you're out of your goddamn mind you're a psychopath and then and that causes the riddler to just lose it for a little bit he goes on that no 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 like he just he can't believe that Batman is not seeing eye to eye with him on this. And it's even more perfect and in line with the character because in the comics, in animated form, in movies, the Riddler is always trying to get Batman's attention. Mm-hmm. And then when Batman, presumably, gets the one step ahead of him and figures everything out and calls his bluff, the Riddler typically more often than not flips out has yep. nar- a narcissistic tendency of lashing out and just getting overworked to the point where well you know what if you're not gonna you're not if you're not gonna do th- i'm just gonna do what i want and yep it takes it a step further here because it's not so much that batman like batman figured the majority of it out right like, that's the reason why he's in arkham but at the same time that was his whole plan to begin with and that's when when riddler says you know we were supposed to, we were going to be safe here and batman goes what yeah and he realizes that oh crap this isn't done yet <laughs> right and he's like there's he's thinking to himself like there's more to this yeah and riddler goes it was all there and then yeah. he delivers i feel is one of the best lines in the entire movie oh, you're yeah. really not as smart as i thought you were yeah. which has been plastered through a lot of the marketing Yep. And it's so perfect because... Deservedly that, so. Right. Because that, in turn, leads to Batman's reaction of, what have you done? Mm-hmm. And then he proceeds to go back to the apartment, which was across the street from the Iceberg Lounge the entire time, funny yep. enough. Mm-hmm. Pulls up the carpet with the carpet tucker and Officer Martinez, and then realizes... And then they use like a real change for the password on Riddler's laptop. They see the final video, and they're like, shit. Yep. Shit there was something much bigger going on here yep and then it's even better because when the bombs start going off it intercuts between riddler's face behind bars and he's yeah. going boom yeah boom, yeah boom and I'm everything just... he's been waiting for mm-hmm. and then even at the end when he when he gets his little with joker it's yeah. even on the news that ba- like mass vigilante saves these people, and Riddler's legitimately disappointed that he's not the one being talked about on screen. It's Batman. Yeah. yeah. And I think, it, interestingly enough, to tie this with the Joker interrogation scene, I think one of the key things that really hammers home the importance of these two scenes, 
we're seeing Batman pretty much helpless Mm -hmm. in both these situations. You've got Joker, who has now revealed to him, hey, I've got your girl and I've got your friend. They're about to die unless you do something. You've got Pattinson's Batman, who's finding out there is a much bigger plot that's about to happen and something very, very bad is about to happen but he doesn't know what it is, and he's not going to be able to get it out of the Riddler. Both of them are put in a position where they're like, I can't do anything. What can I do? And it's not often that you see Batman in that situation. No, it's not. It's not often at all that you see Batman in that situation whatsoever. And then, to even drive it home, like the consequences of those repercussions, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the death of, I almost said Katie Holmes, wow. The death of Rachel, Rachel. Dawes, right? Yeah. And then the destruction of Gotham City being flooded, yep. as well as Harvey Dent falling off the wagon and becoming Two-Face. It leads them both on their respective paths, right? Because, yep. oh, but you know, both movies end with him on a bike. BFD. Oh, yeah, yeah. BFD. Anyway, it sets them both on the paths that they're meant to go down. Like, Batman takes it upon himself to take the consequence of the Joker and Dent's actions and put it on himself. That way, the city can live to see another brighter day. Whereas in the Batman, it sets him on a path of losing the vengeance quota and becoming a pillar of hope. Yep. Just an excellent, excellent interrogation sequence. Interesting way we got both of those to to tie in. <laughs> oh, I didn't say anything at the end because I wanted yeah. it to be a surprise. Because, yeah, for, for those of you that don't, we don't know what our lists are when we bring them up. <laughs> we we work on them and then we just discuss them here on the show. We right. don't we don't collaborate. We don't we don't plan them out. It's just it just so happens this time matched it pretty good. Yeah, we want all our laughs to be natural. That's what we yeah. want. That we, we want we want this to be all natural. And depending on who gets the last laugh, we always find a way. Yep. That was a terrible segue. <laughs> I'm sorry. Segway. Play the music, Johnny. Yes, indeed. As you all know, we like to wrap up these episodes with a little mini-review of an episode from Batman the Animated Series. Um, Our last episode was The Clock King with Temple Fugate in the antagonist chair. This time, as we might have hinted, the next episode we have watched is The Last Laugh. As you could probably guess, it's pretty easy to figure out who the antagonist is in in this episode. Poison Ivy. No, that's next. (laughs) Yep, (laughs) that's exactly why I said that. Because I'm looking forward to that episode quite a bit. Yes. But that's not to say that this one isn't isn't half bad either. Yeah, this is a this is a good one. Um, I don't know if I would put it up there as like one of the best Joker episodes, but it's a good time. That's and that's the most important thing for these 20 minute little mini. I don't even consider honestly. Now that I we've been rewatching 
this animated series. I don't call these cartoon episodes. They are really like little mini movies with the attention to detail, the dialogue, the way they develop the scripts, the character development. These are just little mini movies that we're watching each time. Right. And this was also directed by a Batman the Animated Series veteran, Kevin Altieri. Yep. And um, he's always been a pretty prominent director when it comes to this series in particular. So it, it by no means is a bad episode. And this is also where... Um, if you've seen any clips on YouTube or anything else, this is where the famous one of the Joker on a conveyor belt comes from. Mm. Yep. But this episode begins with a giant trash boat plumbing through Gotham River, and it is secreting this toxic green gas. Go figure. Yep. And it sends people into a straight laughing fit. Yeah, it's it is really funny at the beginning to see all the different ways that it affects people. Like you got the guy on with the big rig, or the armored uh, truck, and he, he starts he starts laughing so much he starts hanging. He opens the door and just starts hanging out the side of his truck while he's driving around. Mm-hmm. And all of this just so Joker can go on a, a shopping spree, essentially. <laughs> right. And then also, you know, there's a bit of looting going around because people are just taking things from Gotham of yeah. citizens left and right. Yeah. More than likely his his clowns, his clown gang, or, you know, his clown goons, I guess you could call them. Right. But yeah. although this is also, I didn't realize this was the episode in which the, the April Fool's, this takes place on April Fool's. Yeah. And this is where... The, the iconic, the best, one of the best Alfred Licks ever, period. Like, Bruce is shaving, and oh, Alfred, yeah. Alfred chimes in with, so I drew you a bath. Bruce walks into the to the bathroom, and what gives, Alfred? And then Alfred comes in with a literal drawing of a bath. <laughs> I drew you a bath, sir. <laughs> yeah. This really is one of the best versions of Alfred ever. Agreed. He, he's so witty. He loves messing with Bruce. He's not afraid to, to to just mess with him. And when Bruce does go into the to the bathroom, he says something like really straightforward. Alfred straight breaks the fourth wall, looks at the <laughs> camera, and goes, "Not one funny bone in his entire body." <laughs> yeah. So yeah. this episode is. For that alone, I'm I'm already leaning on on my score. So and, and and you got Joker and his goons with shopping carts just walking around. They're just they're grabbing what they want. There's, they go to that one woman and just grab her purse, and she's just laughing and laughing. Right, but you also see like the the trash boat is being headed by this <laughs> submarine. The bank car falls into Gotham River, opens up. Joker sends his goons out, yeah. Batman Forever style. They steal yep. what's in there, and it's like. This episode is just too funny. Yeah. It's it's this weird blend of, like, it's really like they kind of took, like you said, like a Batman Forever kind of situation. But it's it's almost like an homage to those old, you know, the 60s Batman. It's just a simple plot. Joker just wants to steal a bunch of stuff. So he <laughs> gasses not... the entire city. Yeah, he gas the entire city, make them laugh a lot. So that they can't be, you know, they can't stop him. And I'm just going to go over, I'm just going to steal a bunch of stuff. And the funny part is, 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 is it's plausible because the way he's gassing the city, it's not through like blimps, although that's plausible too. He's, yeah. He's literally just taking this fake dump truck boat full of trash, which typically 
if you've ever been by like a, a trash boat, I never have, but I have friends on the East Coast. Yeah. They can smell that shit, right? It's only natural to assume that if the Joker made some kind of nostrilic gas or toxin that had to be, you know, smelled, yeah, I, I could see this happening. Yeah. And it and even. Then- It even goes so far as like getting in a Wayne Manor, and then Alfred gets hit by this shit. Yep, that's just what I was about to say. The fact that you know, as Bruce is figuring out that, oh, so this stuff is making people laugh, but it it could lead like the analysis shows from the back computer that it could lead to permanent insanity, and then he hears a crash upstairs, so he heads up there, and Alfred's just Alfred's losing it. (laughs) Oh, he's... he's going around, he's breaking everything. I've got a bad case of the giggles, sir. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And then, of course, this is also where we see, ironically enough, Batman and the Batboat. Another mm-hmm. Batman Forever parallel. Funny yep. enough. Which, I love the Bat technology in this in this series. Because, like, the mm-hmm. Batboat, the Batwing, the Batmobile, like, it all looks super cool, super slick. I love the Batwing. I love the design of the Batwing in this animated series. Yeah, it's the one Batman animated series toy I never owned. (laughs) I know. Sad face. Sad face. I never had a Batmobile from it either. Like, all my Batman toys were from the live-action stuff. More often than not. Except Batman Beyond. I had the Batman Beyond Batmobile. I had that one. I wish I still had it. (laughs) I wish. Yeah, so then, you know, he makes his way, he gets to the trash boat, has a little fight, and then we get the introduction of Captain Clown. Oh, God. (laughs) And he tries to fight him, and for some reason, this Captain Clown, I mean, one, he's huge. He's way bigger than the Joker. He's bigger than both of the thugs, even though one of the thugs, you can tell, is kind of a beefier guy. Mm -hmm. And Batman is trying to fight him, but he seems to have some issues fighting him like nothing he's doing is hurting this thing right and then captain clown picks him up and spins batman i love i love the expression on batman's face after he spins him for a while and then it you know it's revealed that captain clown is a a robot so joker apparently has the technology to make a killer robot um but he spins and spins and spins Batman, and just the look of Batman, like, dizzy, mm-hmm. is just really hilarious. <laughs> and then they throw him in a canister, and Joker goes over there, and he's like, oh, okay, well, let's give him some air holes. And he starts stabbing into the canister, and then they toss him into the ocean. Um, but, of course, Batman being Batman, uses his uh, utility belt, calls the Bat boat over, and apparently the bat boat's got some uh, pretty high tech lasers and it just blasts the canister open so he can get out and then they proceed to like some junkyard area batman puts captain clown and you know a junk crusher well and just and see that's the thing too you notice because it has now been revealed that captain clown is a robot it allows batman to just beat the absolute crap out of this thing. I mean, he grabs mm-hmm. a steel pipe and mm-hmm. he just starts laying into Captain Clown, right. so much so that he smashes his face and it reveals this robotic exoskeleton. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, like you said, he gets him in the crusher and then we get the the classic Joker line. 
You killed Captain Clown. You killed Captain Clown. He's so angry that he killed his Captain Clown robot. I mean, he probably invested a lot of time into Captain You got to imagine that. I mean, a fully functional robot that acted on its own and was able to beat up Batman. Then he proceeds to follow the Joker down this conveyor belt. They wind up in like a, a burning trash pile. Well, it's it's a trash pile, but then the Joker decides hey, it's a good idea. I'm going to burn this son of this this thing <laughs> yeah. and then send Batman into it. The tails the tides get turned, and Joker's the one now being held over the flaming trash pit. And yep. then he pleads for Batman. You wouldn't let me burn, <laughs> would you? And then I love the way they shot this because you know he's hanging, he's dangling by a rope <laughs> because. The Joker tried to run and tripped over a rope. That's how he even ended up in this position. Right, and Batman's and he, like, hmm. And Batman, the the scene of Batman, like, he's got this sly little grin, and he puts his hand on his chin, like, hmm, I'm thinking about it. And the Joker, like, Batman! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was a fun one. Yeah, it's, it's so much fun. And, um, Right before that, though, I love the scene of um, when he's chasing the Joker. I, obviously, there's the scene of Joker sitting on the conveyor belt. Right. But right after that, that shot of Batman swinging on the rope through fire, that was really... I love the animation in that. Would you call it legendary? Oh, absolutely legendary. And okay. actually, the music in this episode is like that theme. Okay? I haven't watched this episode since probably the late 90s maybe i saw it once in the early 2000s i still remember the theme to this episode this like that kind of like that that mm -hmm. theme as soon as it started playing i instantly knew, remembered the beat and uh, it's one of those things that just, it sticks in your head yeah yeah i can't i can't really disagree this was that beat does kind of stick in your head a little bit. But... Yeah. Again, it's a simple episode. It's not like, you know, it's not really deep, like Heart of Ice. It's not like very, it, I mean, there's really no character development. I guess you would say the character, you know. Oh, but uh, Bruce does get one over on Alfred at the very end of it, though. That was this pretty funny. Yeah. That was pretty funny how Alfred apologizes and he's, I'm sorry, sir, that I broke... You know, this priceless Voss and everything. And Bruce is like, don't worry, Alfred. It's okay. I'll just take it out of your pay for the next year. <laughs> and Alfred just is like, oh, very well, sir. And the episode ends with him. Hey, Alfred, April Fool's. Yep. <laughs> it was it, it was a good one. I'm giving it five out of five Batwings. Yeah, I got to give it for, for just fun. It's a definite five out of five. It's not... Again, you're not going to really remember too much from it, but you're going to have fun from beginning to end with it. Right. And with that, our next episode is one of my favorites, Eternal Youth. Yeah, I can't wait. And then after that, we get the Two-Face Two-Parter. Pun potentially intended. Yeah. Because uh, this is the origin of Two-Face in the animated series. And then after that is Fear of Victory, another one of my favorites. Yeah. The two face, uh, the two face, uh, you know, Eternal Youth. I can't wait to watch the two face one. I remember how big of a deal that was when I was a kid. Uh, we were finally going to see the origin of Two Face. You know, we've seen hints of Harvey Dent throughout the animated series up to this point, and now we're going to see him become the villain that he does end up becoming. 
And I remember that was a big deal, like at the end of episode one and knowing that, oh, we got to wait a week to see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a big deal when I was a kid. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun... Oh, I actually know it's going to be a fun episode because, yeah. you know, Two-Face is one of my favorite villains from the animated series and I like his voice, his look, mm -hmm. his origin. And I think we even promised that we're going to dedicate a whole episode to those two parts. Yep. So. It really does have to... You have to watch both at the same time. Right. So, yeah, our next episode, when we release our next episode after this one, presume whatever we decide to talk about will be followed by Eternal Youth and then, of course, we'll dedicate one other episode to Two-Face, two-parter... And then uh, after that will be Fear of Victory. And then following Fear of Victory will be I've Got a Batman in My Basement. And I remember mm. that episode clear as day. Yep. But yes, this has been Legendary Moments of the Dark Knight, Volume 4, brought to you by the Eternal Knight. Craig, my man, this has been a blast from the past, I, I, I guess. Yeah. 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 Yeah, these are always fun because we always just kind of like cherry pick specific moments of any kind of anywhere in batman's mythology and just go that's legendary yeah that's legendary that's definitely legendary <laughs> i mean hell what was the last one i my number one was a uh, some batman me bat metal music videos on youtube <laughs> this is true this is very true still love those they're still very worthy of it too um yeah but, you know, we are going to come to a close here. If you guys have any questions or any comments, feel free to follow us on Facebook and Twitter just at T-E-K underscore podcast. You can also leave us an email, uh, eternalnightpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also leave us a review on iTunes. Helps get the show noticed. Helps us, you know, helps people know that we're a Batman podcast. Yeah. Just, we're not asking for money. We're just asking just because. Just It'd be really cool. We we're doing this it. for fun. Indeed. We're not doing this for fun. We're not. We're doing this for fun. We're not doing this for merchandise, and we're yeah. also doing this just because we're two friends who can get along. Yep. But as always, my friend, uh, it's always a blast getting to chat with you at least once every couple weeks about Batman whenever we can. Where can yeah. people? Where can people find you if they wish to? You know, pick your brain about anything Batman or anything hardcore related. Uh, you can find me on um, Facebook. You can find me on Instagram, and you can find me on Twitter. Instagram and Twitter are both the same. You can uh, it's Craigie Omega, C R A I G G Y O M E G A. That's right. Except we're not on Twitter for the moment. We will be back there. Yes, I'm not on Twitter for the next forty-eight-ish hours, give or take. Yeah, I'm right yeah. there with Craig. But you can also follow me along on uh, Twitter, Vero, Instagram, and now TikTok. Ah, uh, the tick. He's, he's TikToking up the place. Uh, yeah, the clock king had an effect on me. <laughs> he, he had yeah. quite the effect on me. Yes, it's true. I have succumbed to the virus that is TikTok. That's right. You can, again, you know, Twitter, Vero, Instagram, and now TikTok, just at unfiltered, U-N-P-H-I-L-T-E-R-E-D-D-D. Uh, -E -D -D. That's right, folks. Uh, this has been another episode of The Eternal Night, so thank you again for tuning in. And as always, stay safe, keep your signals lit, and have a great day or night, whatever your listening preference is. Take it easy, everybody. Take care, everyone.
I've been invisible my whole life. I guess I won't be anymore, will I? They'll remember me now. They'll remember both of us. there that day. The day the great Thomas Wayne announced he was running for mayor made all those promises. Well, a week later he was dead and everybody just forgot about us. All they could talk about was poor Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, the orphan. Orphan. some tower over the park isn't being an orphan. Looking down on everyone with all that money. Don't you tell me. Do you know what being an orphan is? It's 30 kids to a room. 12 years old and already a drop-in numbing the pain. You wake up screaming with rats, chewing your fingers. And every winter, one of the babies die because it's so cold. But oh no. Let's talk about the billionaire with the lying dead daddy because at least the money makes it go down easy, doesn't it? Bruce. Wayne. He's the only one we didn't get. Thank you for listening to The Eternal Night. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Media or DC Entertainment. All thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. Drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com or Follow us on Twitter at T-E-K underscore podcast. Thank you.